0: Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist TJ Malcanji. All right, let's get in it. The power of the tongue. The power of the tongue. If you just tuned in for our, uh, we have like a two minute little clip that I post every broadcast. I just posted something i had preached probably like two or three months ago and it uh fits right into what we're going to discuss today when abraham was going to go from fatherless fatherless to a father of many nations god had to change his name why did god have to change his name because as long as abram called himself abram which meant exalted father he And he, he was at that time, he was the father of Ishmael. And that's all he would stay, the father of Ishmael. As long as he called himself Exalted Father, Abram, then he would have stayed at the same level. So God had to get him to change his name. So that now, anytime he would refer to himself in introducing himself, he could no longer call himself Exalted Father, but now, father of a multitude of nations. And I believe today, God's going to do a flipperoo in your, in your own tongue, in your own mouth, where what you used to call yourself, I'm going to show you from the Word of God, and we're going to get into it, seven wrong confessions that I hear a lot of people say over themselves, but instead You can't just eliminate confession. You have to replace confession or else you're just going to be a very silent person. So seven wrong confessions, people speak over themselves. And then I'm going to bring you into seven right confessions. Seven things the Bible says about you that you should from today make it a point, an objective, a daily goal to speak that over your life that the next time someone says, like I said, The Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. The next time someone says you're weak or you feel like saying I'm weak or I'm fatigued, instead, the spirit of faith on the inside of you will empower you to declare not what your feelings say, not what the world says, not what the report says, not what your symptoms say, but what the word of God says about you. And you'll see when you start to quote God in every situation and circumstance, you'll see that God will go to work for you. God works out your confession. God, the Bible says, they spoke there a long time, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord, and the Lord worked with them, confirming the word preached through signs and wonders. When you don't speak what God's word says about you, you have, God has nothing in your life to go to work with so as to actualize his blessing in your life. But when you start to declare the word of the Lord, God now has something to substantialize in your life and you'll see things turn around. Like Job 22 says, when you declare a thing, it will start to be established in your life and light will shine on your ways. That when men say there is a casting down, God said, no, there is a lifting up. Because remember, the Bible says that the enemy will come rushing in like a flood. But God has a standard, and his standard is his word. That if you'll make a point today, a decision, a dis- you know, faith is a decisive, decisive act. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is not something, it's not an emotion. It's not something you can work up. Faith is a decisive act. I will believe the report of the lord and you'll see when you believe god's word It can never return void. It always produces the thing for which it was sent out to produce. And I see God going to work over your right confessions from this day forward in your life. I see everything the wicked trying to prevail, trying to overturn in your life. Not you being overturned, but the wickedness of the wicked being overthrown today by the the right hand of Almighty God. For remember, it is still the right hand of God does vali- that does valiantly. It is still the right hand of the Lord that does tread upon our enemies the Bible says the help of man is useless you've tried work try you've tried man's way you've tried doctor's way you've tried everybody else's way but I'm here to tell you like that woman with the issue of blood she had spent all that she had at the hands of many physicians she was no better she only grew worse but when she heard about Jesus she said within herself you see that's why I'm talking about the power of the tongue today because you got to start saying things in your heart and out of your mouth. You can't just wish for things to turn around. You can't just hope. Hope says I might have it someday. Faith says I have it now. Hope says I wish I'll have it or I wish I that can happen or I wish that would turn around in my life. But faith says the report of God. Faith is a speaking force. Faith is an expressive force. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4.13, we have the same spirit of faith, even as they did. Therefore, we believe and therefore speak. When you believe, when you really believe something, whether whether it's good or bad, you will speak that thing. You won't stay quiet. When you truly believe, like, I believe this pen is black. I'm going to say this pen is black. I'm not going to say it's green or it's red, because I believe. I've seen it and I've believed it. In the same vein, when you start to see things, concrete. You know, the Word of God is not some mystical document. The Word of God isn't some uh, ethereal document. It's not some... Abstract Picasso drawing that you have to find its interpretation but it's really difficult to find out. No. God said what he meant and he meant what he said. God said what he meant and he meant what he said. God's not in the business of trying to fool you. He's not trying to be crafty in your life. When you pick up this book, D.L. Moody used to say, the world is still waiting. The world is waiting for someone, a man or a woman, who will pick up this book, read it, and Actually believe for what it says. For then the world would not even the it would be unsurmounted. It would be Unexplainable the works and the power of God at work in that man. This book, if you make it a complex document, you'll have a hard time understanding it. You'll always be at, at wit's end, you'll always be frustrated and stagnated. But if you'll read it in black and white and red, just like the words of Jesus, you'll start to see that God is not trying to play tricks with you. It's the devil that tries to corrupt the simplicity of the gospel. But God has said his word in such a way that a 5 year year old child can read it believe it and receive its benefits and a hundred year old man can read it receive it and receive its benefits Uh, today marks the end of the devil's reign of terror in your life the devil has deceived our generation has deceived north american christianity to try and make this stuff like some you know, well, we wish for things to happen, but ultimately, God has His way. That's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says, "If you will believe and speak unto the mountain, you don't talk, you don't talk to mountains about your God. That's like a common thing in in um, in uh, in Christian circles, in Christian memes, Instagram posts. You know, don't talk to God about your mountain. Talk to your mountain about your God. You don't talk to mountains about God. The Bible doesn't say if you'll talk to the mountain about God and how great God is. It says if you'll talk to the mountain and address it. A mountain is an impossible situation. A mountain is a an insurmountable thing. It's like the odds are totally against you. Something that man doesn't have an answer to. A solution that has not yet been provided even in human technology technological advancements. A mountain represents an impossible an impossible thing. And Jesus said, if you will believe in your heart and have the faith of God that what God said he meant. And then with that faith, that heart-rooted conviction, look to that mountain, that in that sickness in your body, that marriage that's collapsing, that child that's sick, that child that's struggling with depression, that child that doesn't that doesn't want anything to do with God and you've been praying for. If you'll speak to that mountain, And say, be thou uprooted. And be cast into the midst of the sea. And not doubt those things which you have said. That means faith is not just confession, faith is a heart-rooted conviction that God's Word is true. You have to believe it first in the heart, and out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will speak. And when you speak, when you address that impossible situation, with the faith of God alive in your heart, that being fully persuaded, that what God has promised, He is not only willing, but He's able to perform it for you. The Bible says, the mountain that stands before you will be up uprooted and be cast into the sea for you shall have whatsoever you say you can have what you say i want you to type that out in the comment section i can have what i say we talked about dominion all of last week and dominion uh, in simple terms B- burger king makes it uh, you know super simple having it your way burger king have it your way that's what dominion is dominion is having it your way all day, every day. Dominion is living as if the devil was a non-issue. It's like it's living without the consciousness of the existence of the devil. Just living in total victory over Satan and his forces. That's what dominion is. But just having dominion is not enough. You have to learn how to take dominion. And you take dominion predominantly by the words that you speak. You understand that words in Genesis have three meanings. God used words in three different ways. Number one, the first way God used words, Genesis 1 verse 3, and God said, let there be light over darkness. The first way God expressed way, the first um, uh, motivation for speaking that God had in the Bible was to enforce dominion over darkness. Let there be light, and darkness lost its grip, and light shine on, on, on the earth. Number two, words were used in the book of Genesis for um, for creation. And God said, let there be uh, four-footed animals, creatures, and all kinds of living things, and there was. And God said, let there be grass and vegetation and fruits, and there was. So, number one, God used words for dominion. Number two, God used, used words for creation. And then number three, God used words for communication. God spoke with Adam in the cool of the day. The Bible says that God spoke with Moses as a man speaks to a friend. But I think of this three ways that God used words in order to actualize his will on the earth. But most of our focus in Western Christianity and in recent times has been just on communication. We should learn how to communicate with loved ones. You know, we need, to, we need to work hard on relationships and all that. And that's all good. But we've neglected the first two ways that God used words on the earth. Was number one, for dominion. Your words are used to enforce dominion over the devil and his forces. I want you to know. That the devil's a defeated foe. The Bible says very clearly, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. That means you're not, you're not fighting a powerful being. He has fallen from heaven like lightning. The Bible says in Revelations 12 that he has waged war against Michael and his archangels. The dragon and his angels waged war against Michael and his archangels. And they fought in the heavens. But the devil prevailed not. Neither was there any place found for, the, for him in heaven. But he was cast down to the earth. Neither was there any place found for the devil in heaven. And remember, where's you, where are you located? I, I might be physically located here, but my real me is seated in heavenly places far above principalities and powers. So you have to understand, you're not on the same playing field as the devil. You're not on the same, uh, you're not in the same lane. You're in the fast lane, and he's in, he's like on the service road. And the Bible says that the devil's been cast down to the to the earth, having great wrath, for he knows that his time is short. So you inhabitants of the earth, you should weep and woe unto you inhabitants of the earth for the devil has come down to you having a great wrath. But you who dwell in the heavens, remember the Bible says, very clearly that our citizenship is in heaven. So I dwell in the heavens. I'm seated in heavenly places. And the Bible says, though the inhabitants of the earth, those that have not been transferred out of the dominion of darkness, those that are still earthly, they haven't been born from above. They should woe and they should be scared because the devil will whip them every time. But if you're born again, if you've been born into the family of God, if you're no longer a stranger or a foreigner, but a fellow citizen with the saints and a member of the household of God. You don't have to weep. You don't have to sorrow. You don't have to crawl into a pit somewhere and hide. No. Rejoice ye that dwell in the heavens. For you have been given the keys of authority over the devil, over his minions, and over all the work of Satan. And nothing shall by any means harm you. For that which is from above is above all. But just having all that does you nothing. You have to learn how to have dominion, and take dominion. I want you to write into the, in the comment section right now. I take dominion. I have dominion. I take dominion. I have dominion. And now I take dominion. I want to read something out of 2 Kings chapter 4. And this is going to illustrate what I'm trying to say. 2 Kings chapter 4 starts off from verse 8 where Elisha uh, gives a, a Shunammite woman a son. Because she, she was barren, her her and her husband never were able to conceive, and so finally, after she built him a house, you know, she sewed something to the men of God, and as a result, Elisha was tossing and turning on his uh, bed, and was like irritated because like she's done all this stuff for me, what can I do for her? Call her to me. Well, she dwelt among her own people, meaning she she didn't need any influence with the king. She was already a wealthy woman. What can we do? Well, she's old and she doesn't have a boy. Okay, tell her by this time next year she'll have a son. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me. Don't deceive me. It's funny how people are so easy to believe the devil's words. They'll buy it hook, line, and sinker. But then when God speaks us a word, It's like the most impossible thing. Why? Because the spirit and the flesh are in opposition to one another. The flesh gravitates naturally towards negative reports. It takes the spirit of God to empower you to fight against the carnality of the flesh and receive not only hear what the spirit is saying, but to receive what the spirit is saying to the churches. That's why the devil fights long and hard. In the battlefield of the mind. Because until things turn in here and in here, your heart, nothing will ever manifest outwardly. Until there is a transformation, a renewing of the mind, there will never be a renewal outwardly. There will never be a new thing that happens. There will never be a manifestation of God's power externally until you deal with the root which is internal. That's why the Bible says we are to renew our mind through the word of God. That's why the Bible says, Paul, stir up the gift of God. Paul told Timothy, you're to stir up the gift of God, which is on the inside of you and, and be renewed. Steer up the gift of God. How do you do that? Well, the word of God calls itself a rod. What do you need to stir up a, a pot, a, a pot of pasta? You need a rod and the gift of God is steered up by the rod, which is his word. The word of God steers you up. Paul told the church, uh, I think it was the church of Ephesus, in Acts chapter 24. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. I commend you to God and to the ministry of his word, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance. David How blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He meditates on the word of God day and night. Then it tells you what that does. He'll be like a tree firmly planted by the riverbank that yields its fruit in every single season. Its leaves never wither. And whatever he puts his hand to, will prosper so the word of god as you build it into your spirit man just like your natural body needs to be fed you can't just you know you you, you can't go 60 days without eating you'll die you can't go 100 days. you need to feed your body in order to nourish it well in the same way paul tells timothy to go and nourish the churches with the words of faith you receive nourishment. That's why, even listening right now, you can feel strength being imparted into your spirit. You can you can feel whatever weakness you had coming into this broadcast supernaturally leaving because the word of God. Man lives not by by bread alone, but man lives by every word which proceeds out of the mouth of God. So listen to this. Elisha tells the Shunammite woman, "By this time next year, you're gonna you're gonna have a a child." She says, "No, don't deceive me." And lo and behold, by that time next year. She has a child. Now listen to this. And the child grew, verse 18, 2 Kings 4, 18. And the child grew, and it happened one day that he went out to his father's. If you haven't shared the broadcast, help me out by sharing it today. And uh, thank you, man, and woman, whoever you are that's sharing it. I appreciate it. It happened that he went out with his father to the reaper. And he said to to his father, my head, my head. Something obviously fell, hit his head. Something, uh, he, you know, obviously something deathly, a deathly bloated head. And he said to his servant, carrying to his mother. Great father he is. <laughs> Kids like dying. He's bleeding uncontrollably from the head. And oh, why don't you carry him to his mother? Let her deal. I'm busy. Not a good father. Verse 20. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees until noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God shut the door upon him and went out. And she called to her husband, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the men of God and come back. So the father said, why are you going to him today? It's not new moon or Sabbath. How many of you have people like that in your family? You go to church on a Wednesday night, you have a revival week or whatever, you're there every night. And then they tell you why it's a Tuesday night. Why are you going to church? It's not Sunday. It's not Easter. It's not Christmas. Dedication to God isn't does not respect days of the week. Dedication to God is Sunday through Sunday and every hour in between. Can you say amen? Why are you going in today? It's neither the new moon. And you know what? This type of miracle that we're about to read doesn't happen to the lukewarm casual. It doesn't happen. You, you can speak all you want, confess God's word, but if you're not devoted, the Bible says Psalm 50 why are you taking my word in your mouth seeing that you have cast my instructions behind you and have have trampled on my word why do you take my word in your mouth meaning you're declaring all the promises of God out of one side of your mouth you're speaking God's blessing but out of the other side of your mouth you're speaking the world's you're totally disconnected from God's Way of doing things. You're, you're He that has my commandments and keeps them. That's the one who loves me. And that's the one who will have the word of God work for him. He that hears and receives my word and builds his house on that. Lays the foundation that everything he does is founded upon the word of God. Doesn't cast his word behind him when it's not convenient. And then whenever it is convenient, then oh, hallelujah, God, God be praised. How many of you know? And then all this, you're just reciting scripture when it's convenient for you. It's like a buffet. Pick and choose your five favorite scriptures and the rest you can, you can toss aside because it, it doesn't apply. That's not the way the Bible's to be treated. The Bible says that if you are not all in with me, God said, if you will not hear when I call out, neither will I hear you when, when you cry out. If you will not hear me when I call out, meaning if God says to do something and you ignore him, Then the next time you call out, God said, I'll ignore you. Proverbs 1, the Bible says, if you despise the counsel of the Almighty and you turn away his hand, he will laugh when your calamity comes and when your destruction lays waste at noon, the Bible says, when distress and anguish come upon you. (laughs) Where is God in all of this? He's the same place you left him, outside of the room, outside of the house. Proverbs 1 the Bible says very clearly seeing that you hated instruction and chose none of my ways they will call upon me in the day of trouble but they will be filled to the full of their own fancies and uh, they will be filled to the full of their own ways for the complacency of fools will destroy them and the, and laziness the Bible says oh, let me read it Proverbs 1 because I'm like half quoting it but it's actually a pretty good scripture because i called out and you refused and stretched out my hand and no one regarded because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke i'll laugh at your calamity i'll mock when your terror comes When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then you will call on me, but I will not answer you. Then you will seek me diligently, but you will not find me, because you hated my knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. You would have none of my rebuke and despise my every counsel. Therefore, you will eat the fruit of your own way and be filled to the full of your own fancies." For the turning away of the simple, the Bible says, he that turns his ear from hearing the word of God, even his prayer will be an abomination to God. But whoever listens to me, see? That's God's word to those that aren't full on, all in with God. You know, the Bible says very clearly in um, the book of Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 15, that for a long time, there was no signs, no wonders in Israel because there was no teachers, And they had turned aside from the laws of God. They had worshipped the Baals. But the moment they entered into a covenant. To seek the Lord their God with all their heart. And with all their strength. In that moment God gave them rest round about. So the number one thing you have to establish today. Is that I'm not going to treat God like a vending machine that when I need something, I'll put in my quarter and get it. I'm not going to treat God like some four-leaf clover that whenever I'm in need of good luck, I'm going to pull him out and wave him on my, you know, put him on my car's rear-view mirror. I'm going to treat God as he is, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and the God who loved me enough to send his son to die for me and if he went all in that he took nails on his in his hands nails in the imprint of his feet to die so that I can live in the blessing then I'm gonna live and I'm, I'm not gonna be lukewarm I'm not gonna be indifferent I'm not gonna be apathetic I'm gonna live on fire hot for God Because God didn't pull a punch When he went to war against the devil So I'm not going to pull punches I'm not going to be reserved about my relationship With God and then when I'm showing up To an NFL game or an NHL game I'm going to go all in, stand up Lift my hands, shout like I never shouted before But then in church I'm going to stand by Reserve, cross my arms, chew gum Have my hands in my pockets You know because I don't want to be undignified I've made up my mind like David I don't care what the world thinks of me If a lady can get on television television at 3 a.m. with uh, all kinds of different fluorescent colors on her t-shirt with every single plant around her and talk to you about how you can contact your cat as a medium and just uh, I hear your cat saying that she's in a better place and they can look like fools like that before men and not be ashamed. I've made up my mind. I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. If the world can parade their beliefs and not be ashamed of it, I'm not going to be reserved in what God says. In his word. Hallelujah. Now let's 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 get on with this, or we'll never get into it. Carry him to his mother. So listen to this. He said, Why are you going to him today? It's neither new moon nor Sabbath. She said this. I want you to get this. She has a dying child, a dead child, not, not dying. A dying child in her hands who's got a wound that's obviously uh crushed the head or maybe the head was opened up and he bled to death and the bible says when her husband said what's wrong why are you going there today she didn't say oh we this is a panic situation we need to rush this this child i'm I'm sure god can do something but you know uh this looks impossible we we need god in this she didn't confess that she said it is well It is well. In spite of her current situation, when nothing was actually well, she still, something was on the inside of her to confess. It is well. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace until I tell you. So she departed and went to the men of God at Mount Carmel. And so it was when the men of God saw her afar off, that he said to the servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman please run and meet her and he said is it well with you is it well with your husband is it well with the child listen to this she answered again it is well it was not well with her husband it was not well with her and it certainly was not well for her dead child and yet she still said it is well so she caught him by the feet Gehazi came near to push her away but the man of God said let her alone her soul's in deep distress the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me and then, then the story ends up going on that he, he sends Gehazi to try and raise the kid from the dead doesn't work then he goes himself lays himself on the boy a couple of times and on the third time it was the boy sneezes and comes back to life but I want you to know a soundless Christian is a signless Christian That miracle was not produced first and foremost by Elisha's great anointing. That miracle came as a result that in the midst of peril, she had faith in her heart to declare, If God is on my side, all will be well with me. You need to learn that in the face of opposition, in the face of symptoms. In the face of trials. James 1 says, you are to count it all joy when you are faced with trials. That's what that woman did. She had temptation to let the deep distress in her heart result in tears. Complaining. Oh, that man of God, he just put my hopes up, gave me a child, only that God should take it away and kill him. But instead of succumbing to that temptation in her heart because the flesh wages against the spirit. The flesh wants to talk the negative things. The flesh wants to report uh, things that are counter to the word of God. But if you'll lend your voice to the word of God and with an overwhelming faith that grips your heart to instead report what God has said, it will. It, it, Isaiah 3.10 Say unto the wicked It shall not be well for you But say unto the righteous All will be well All will be well And that's not motivational speaking That's not hope wishing That is a Bible based confession Faith is the language of the Bible and it's the only language god respects understands and responds to he doesn't respond to complaining he doesn't respond to 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 you know doubt he doesn't respond to unbelief the only language the holy spirit understands and goes to work for is the language of faith i said it the other day numbers 13 12 spies were sent out into the, to land, into the land to, to, to scout it out and report. 10 spies came back and the Bible says they gave an evil report of unbelief. When you side, side with the devil, when you lend your mouth to the devil's report, the Bible says it's an evil report of unbelief. You know, a lot of Western Christianity tells you, you should, you know, just voice your unbeliefs. You should speak about what you you doubt and stuff. Don't be ashamed of what... It's not about being ashamed. But you're not to set a guard over your mouth. The Bible says, let a door be over over my lips and let a gate be over the words of my mouth. Let the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. It matters to God what you say. Jesus said, every idle word will be judged. For a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. But an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil things. And when the ten spies gave out that report, and the... um. And the, uh, the Israelites sided with that because the Bible says they were so ticked off they spit. when uh, Joshua and Caleb said the opposite and said, if God be for us, we're well able to overcome and possess it for they'll just be like bread for us to eat. Numbers 14, 28. Actually, let me read that. This is what happened. Because it matters to God what you say. What you speak matters to God. Your confession is of utmost importance. That's why I'm taking time to do it this week. Because with... <laughs> the Bible says we're to hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So if confession wasn't important, first of all, if it wasn't important, why did Paul say in Romans 10, that it's with the heart man believes, and with the, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation? if confession wasn't important why isn't it just with the heart man believes and, and is saved the heart man believes and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation that means you're not even saved until you confess what you believe in the heart that's why the bible says uh, in the book of 1st John he said if we uh, what is it 1st John it's escaping my, my mind the scripture Oh yeah! If we confess that we abide in Him, we ought also to live even as He lived. You know, it. I said it yeah, uh, Tuesday. that Hebrews three says that we are to, that um, Jesus Christ is the high priest of our confession, and the high priest was responsible for enforcing. The the they they were responsible for laying the groundwork for the sacrifices for the people, they were the link between man and God. And so our link between us and God is Jesus Christ, and he'll only enforce or he'll only relate our confession to God. So without confession, God has, Jesus Christ has nothing to be a high priest for us in life without our confession, because he's the high priest of our confession. Listen to this, Numbers fourteen twenty six. And the Lord spoke to Moses. So after the ten spies gave the evil report, the Lord, the Lord spoke to Moses. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing. I want you to remember this. Numbers fourteen twenty eight. As I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing so will I do to you. As I live, says the Lord, just as I have, you have spoken in my hearing, so will I do to you. The carcasses that, you've, that have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness. All of you who are numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above. Verse 30. Except for Caleb and Joshua... You shall by no means enter the land which I swore that I would make you to dwell in. As I have heard in my ears, so will I do to you. As I have heard, as you have spoken, so shall I do for you. I mean that, if that doesn't tell you something about the importance of your words... That means, life does not determine what you get. God doesn't even determine what your reality is in life. Your words pave the path that you walk on in life. That is an irrefutable law of faith that God has implemented. And I mean, you can study it. I, I, I quoted it before. Mark chapter 5. That woman with the issue of blood. She said within herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. And when she said that and acted on what she said, Jesus said, power has flowed out of me into you. And he said to her, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go and behold thy plague. She had what she said. There were many other people touching Jesus, but only she walked away with a miracle because she, could ha- she had what she said. Your words will either repel God's presence or compel God's intervention in your life. The devil was not the one that kept the ten spies and all the other Israelites out of the promised land. The giants were not responsible for keeping those people out of the promised land. Because if they were, then Joshua and Caleb would have never entered the promised land also. But God said, except for Joshua and Caleb, everyone else will not enter into the promised land. But Joshua and Caleb, they were the ones that led the next generation into the promised land and received the fruit of their words. So it's not about a big devil. It's not about... Uh, a a big impossible situation. Those aren't the things keeping you out of the promise. Your mouth will either lead you in to the green pastures of God or keep you out waiting at the gate that would lead you into otherwise God's blessing. That's why the devil will fight you on confession more than anything else. Because what's too big for your mouth will be too big for your hand. What is too big for your mouth will be too big for your hand to possess. Psalm 81. Listen to this. Psalm 81, verse 10. If you haven't shared the broadcast, if you're just tuning in now... Uh, Please share the broadcast. You'd be a great help. Psalm 81, verse 10. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Remember Elisha told the, the people, dig these ditches and God will fill it? Well, the way we dig ditches in this New Testament is by the words that we speak. And until we dig the ditch, God has nothing to fill. Until you open up your mouth wide, God has nothing to fill. In your life, God has nothing to confirm. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Verse 11. But my people would not heed my voice. Israel would have none of me. Oh, that's so primitive. Oh, that's stupid. What do you mean the things you say has... eh. That's all, that's all just primitive reasoning that's superstition that's, that's just uh, fables the words you speak have nothing it's, it's what you do in life that, that's what matters if that was the case why does the, whole, why does the Bible literally <laughs> say the power of life and death is in the tongue and ye shall eat of its fruit why does the Bible why does Jesus say ...that I'll give you a mouth and a wisdom... ...so none of your adversaries will contradict or gainsay. ...and as you use that mouth and wisdom... ...the thing that has come against you... ...will be turned for a testimony for you. If your words didn't matter... ...why is it... ...that we are charged to preach the gospel in the first place... ...if words didn't matter? When we preach the gospel... ...the life of God is released into the people... ...as they believe... ...they then link themselves... ...connect themselves to the vine being Jesus... And as such, eternal life begins to flow their way. But it all begins with words. The Bible says, uh, in 1 Peter, that the word of God is the incorruptible seed which liveth and abideth forever. So the words you speak are incorruptible seeds. That as you sow them... You know, I was watering my grass the other day, and I noticed my side is far less green than my neighbor's side because I don't take time regularly to water and to fertilize, and so I can. <laughs> I can blame. Oh, well, well, that sun's been hot this year. That's why it's it's yellow. I can blame the sun. I can blame. The has not been enough rain this year. You know, I can blame every everything. Everything else, for the reason that my grass is yellower than my neighbor's, but in reality. He went through the same sun that my grass went through. His grass went through the same rain, the same season that my grass has gone through. What caused there to be a difference between the two? The time that he spent sowing fertilizer and the time that he spent watering his grass. And the way you speak Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, God gives the increase. The words that you speak, they are the, the planting force and the watering force that causes God to, to go to work for increase. But until you plant and you water, there can be no increase. So my grass is as green as I've wanted wanted it to be, and I've desired it to be. And his grass is as green as he's been diligent to sow, to water, to fertilize, and to put in work. Faith is work. Faith is not empty talk. Faith is work. You know, reading that story I opened up with, second Kings 4, when Elisha sent Gehazi to go and raise that boy from the dead, he took Elisha's staff and he went and tried to do what Elisha had instructed him to do, but the boy stayed dead. There was no resurrection. So Gehazi goes back scratching his head. Hey, man of God, I did everything you told me to do. It's not just speaking words. You'll miss it if you think it's just speaking words. If you think this is just the power of positive confession, you'll miss it. It's not just speaking words. Because Gehazi went and did everything the man of God told him to do. Spoke to the body, laid his staff on him. Nothing happened. But when Elisha came in, And Elisha laid on the boy and did the same things, put his staff and spoke the words of life. Life came back into that boy because Elisha wasn't just acting on someone else's faith. He wasn't just quoting a religious meme or some cliche or a pastor's statement. Elisha acted on the word of God that Jesus, you know, God, the Bible says, giveth life to those things which are dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. And so Elisha reaped the reward of his faith. It wasn't just empty words. It wasn't just positive. It's Bible-based confession. And I'm going to show you, and I'm going to get to it right now. Seven things we should stop saying. So it's a good time to share the broadcast. Seven things you should stop saying. And then I'm going to give you seven things that you should start saying in its stead. Psalm 81, before I get on. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Oh, that my people would would heed my voice, but Israel would have none of me. So I gave them over to their own stubborn hearts to walk in their own counsels. Verse 13. Oh, that my people had listened to me. Listened to me in what? By opening up their, their mouth wide. A closed mouth is a closed destiny. A soundless Christian will be a signless Christian. Whatever is too big for your mouth will be too big for your hands to hold. Whatever is too big for your mouth to speak will be too, too big for your your hands to hold in your, in possession. Your confession brings possession. But listen, if my people had listened to me, I would have soon subdued their enemies. Your enemies are non issue if you follow biblical demands. I would have turned my hand against their adversaries. All their haters would have pretended submission to them, but their fate would endure forever. I would have fed them with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock. I would have satisfied you. Hallelujah. The devil doesn't get to decide your destiny. The devil doesn't get to mess around. With your destiny. The devil doesn't have more room in your life than you give him through the words that you speak. But today, no weapon formed against you will prosper, and every tongue that rises up against you, God said, ye shall condemn. Not God will condemn, not an angel will condemn, not Pastor so and so will condemn. You have been given the task to condemn. Every adversary in opposition that rises up against you. What does condemn mean? It means to release the curse of God on that thing. Just like you have power to give life to a situation, you have power to bring death on a situation. Paul, perfect example. Paul in Acts chapter 13 He's being sent out by the Holy Ghost, and he goes down to Seleucia. And there was a man named uh, Sergius Paulos, who was a proconsul, who was interested in hearing what Paul had to say. And as Paul preached to him, his ears were very interested, his heart was engaged. But the Bible calls a man, Bar-Jesus, who was a sorcerer, who withstood the words of Paul, and sought to turn the proconsul away from the faith. And the Bible says, Paul being filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke to that demon in that man and he said you full of the devil you full of all deceit you who try to make crooked the ways of the lord the hand of the lord will come upon you and you will be blind for a time and the bible says mist formed over his eyes and something like scales came on him and he had to be led out by his by a hand he he was blind for a time he said, may the hand of the Lord come upon you, and ye shall be blind for a time not seeing the sun. And he left that place being blind. So in this, the same mouth that Paul used, casting out devils, the same mouth that Paul used, in the Bible says when he would heal the sick, the same mouth that Philip used when he preached, and many that were taken with palsy were healed, the same mouth that's used to bring healing, restoration, and health, can also be used. For the demise of the enemy. Hallelujah. The same God who blesses is also the same God who curses. Abraham, I will bless you. Those who bless you shall be blessed. Those who curse you shall be cursed. And the Bible says you can release. And I'm not talking about cursing people. I'm talking about devils and demons That have sought to suppress, oppress, and bring you back into the regime that God has broken you out of. You have the ability, a God-given ability and right, to condemn those things. So let's get in it. Seven things you should stop saying. Seven things you should start saying. Number one, I always sin. Stop saying, I always sin. That should never come out of your mouth. That should never come out of your mouth. I always sin. How many of you know we sin every day? It might be that you have sinned every day, but that's not something you should confess. It's not something that you should actually release and and line your mouth up with. Because like I said, your life is not determined by what God wants. Your life is not determined by what the devil wants. Your life is determined by the words you speak. So if you constantly say, I always sin. Ah, man, I I just fall every day. Then you're going to put yourself in a repeated cycle of battling and struggling with sin. Doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what your confession should not be feeling driven. It should be scripture driven, Bible based. You know, I read an article in studying for this that even science has uh, caught on with the Bible in that they have discovered that when you speak a word, when you declare something, there is actually neurons that are released from your neurotransmitter and they get transmitted to the 37 trillion cells into your body that prepares you to, uh, to have what you say. So if you say, I'm weak, your brain will actually release signals into the 37 trillion cells in your body to prepare for weakness. If you say, I'm tired all the time, your brain will release transmission signals to tell your body, prepare for fatigue. So even science testifies, James chapter 3, the Bible says that your tongue is like the smallest The smallest organ almost in your body. But it has the power to set on fire the fires of hell. Your tongue is like the rudder of a ship. James 3 says. That though the rudder is so small. And though the ships are so large. And are driven by fierce winds. It is guided by the rudder in the captain's office. In the captain's headquarters. A small rudder. Though the ship is so big and it's driven by exceedingly great fierce storms, yet it is guided by that small rudder. In the same vein, your tongue is the rudder of your life. Where you direct your tongue. What you say tomorrow, uh, what you say today, you will experience tomorrow. What you what you say today from the produce of your lips, ye shall be filled The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 2, that he that opens wide his lips will have destruction, but he who guards his mouth preserves his soul from troubles. He who guards his mouth preserves his soul from troubles. So when you keep on saying, well, I, I, you know, I sin all the time. You're going to sin all the time. You'll never have victory over sin. Instead, confess, I am the righteousness of God. From what? 2 Corinthians 5.21. So every one of these confessions should be Bible-backed. At least three scriptures should back every one of your confession. Just like Jesus. He didn't say in the wilderness when the devil came to tempt him. He didn't just say, Satan, get lost. I bind thee in Jesus. No. He said his confession of I am the Son of God was backed by it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Satan brought him to the mountains. Showed him the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said, all this has been delivered to me. Fall, worship me, and I'll give it unto you. Jesus replied, no, it is written. Thou shalt worship the Lord your God, him only shall you serve. He always replied with scripture. Even so, every one of these confessions should be Bible-based, ba- Bible Bible-backed. Because God is only interested in confirming his word. The Bible says, I will hasten over my word to perform it. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21. And then in Romans 6 it says, Sin shall no longer have dominion over you, that you should obey it in in its lust. The Bible says that uh, we should reckon ourselves to be dead to sin. So if I'm dead to sin, why would I say I sin every day if I'm dead to the thing? You know, the Bible says... That the old body of sin has been done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Why would I confess enslavement to sin when the Bible says I should reckon myself to be dead to sin? Instead, First John 3, 7. We are righteous even as he is righteous. Speak about what the Bible says about you. Zechariah 3, 1. The Bible tells the, the vision of Joshua, the high priest. Where he saw a man with dirty robes and dirty turban coming before God. And the accuser of the brethren, Satan's, came and began to accuse them day and night before God. And uh, God turned to the accuser and said, Is this not my brand that has been plucked from the fire? And he cast the devil out and he said, Take his dirty clothes off, take his dirty turban off, And put on him clean clothes and a clean turban which represents our righteousness now. Don't confess your weakness. Confess his strength. Number two, I'm always sick. People say that all the time. Well, see, it's, it's flu season. Man, I always get sick around this time of year. I, I'm You know, my family has always struggled with diabetes. You know, my great-grandfather had it, and it just seemed to be something that runs through our family you know i you know we all have blood pressure here it, you know this is this was actually uh it's it's a genetical disorder this depression and uh you know but i've learned from my parents how to cope with it i'm sick i feel like i'm getting sick you shouldn't let that out instead confess i can never Be sick another day in my life. Why? Because when this becomes, I'm not talking about mental ascent. I'm talking about when this gets into the deep confine of your heart. When this starts to grip your, when you get intoxicated with the scriptures. You know, drunk people, they say crazy things. When you get drunk off this word, you'll start to confess it. Even in the midst of opposition. Even when people think you're nuts. They thought Paul was nuts. They said much learning has driven you mad. They thought Hannah was nuts. When Ena, uh, Eli said, put, put that line far from you. Thought she was drunk because of her desperation and her intoxication with what God has said. In the same thing, get intoxicated. The Bible says, "I have wisdom has brewed her drink and has prepared her table. The word of God is bread for food. And then Isaiah 55 says, Come drink of my wine which I have made. The word of God is wine to be intoxicated with. Where you start to say, Even if it sounds crazy to others, It's so real to me. Because I've seen it with my eyes. A lot of believers have heard it with their ears. But Job said, I've heard with the hearing of my ears. But now mine eyes have seen you. When you see, then God will begin to show you what eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, what has never entered the heart of man, God will begin to release your way when you start to see it first with your spiritual eye. You know, even doubting Thomas said, Lord, I believe when he saw the print of his hands. When you start to, and remember, Paul said that the word of God, one of the reasons that the Holy Ghost moved on all these authors was to make all men see what is the mystery of the fellowship of his mystery the word of God this wasn't just written to give us good tales until we get raptured up to heaven these aren't just good stories for us to read and well, wish I was alive these are test David said, thy testimonies I have taken as my heritage forever and ever And I've hidden your word in my heart that I would not sin against thee. I can never get sick. Why? Because he'll bless my bread and my water and take sickness out of the midst of me. That's not I'll heal you when you get sick. That's I'll not even I'll put something around you where you'll never even the devil won't even have a room won't even have opportunity won't even have a crevice in the rock to get to you to even afflict you with sickness. For whatsoever is born of God has overcome. And the Bible says the whole world lies under the realm of the wicked one. But ye have God's seed abiding in you. And the wicked one cannot touch you. I'm untouchable. By sickness and disease. Deuteronomy 7. The Bible says. You'll be blessed above all peoples. And I will not lay on you any disease which have come upon the Egyptians. Exodus 15.26. I mean you can go through the whole Bible. Jeremiah. I have given you health and a cure. Jeremiah eight twenty two. I am the balm of Gilead. God is the balm of Gile- the healing balm of heaven. That when you carry that anointing on you, not only does it heal you when you get sick, it, it it produces health and vitality in you, so that there's no there's not even opportunity to get sick in the first place. I'm not sick. I can never get sick number three you can how many of you know we can die at any time bull poop psalm 91 psalm 91 (laughs) I mean it's like people will believe they, they believe for eternal life they'll believe God for heaven They believe there's a real hell. They believe all this stuff. But then, it's like pick and choose. Talk to them about Psalm 91. Well, we have to use wisdom. This is the wisdom of God. If I believe that when I believe in my heart that Jesus rose from the dead and confessed my, my mouth, I received eternal life so that I'm gonna live forever and I'm gonna go to heaven, if I could believe that, by the faith of God in me. Because remember, the very reason you're able to believe God for salvation is because He dealt to you a measure of faith. So you have a measure of faith. It's not about having more faith, it's about using the same measure of faith that you use to obtain salvation and obtaining everything else God has for you. Jesus said, I have prepared a table for you. All things are ready. All you have to do, the same way you pull up a a, a seat. You pull up a seat to the table of God to feast on the benefits of salvation. You now can pull up a seat. Just like bread. Just like the bread of salvation was on the menu. The bread of healing is also on the menu. The the bread of prosperity is on the menu. The bread of overcoming addiction and sin is on the menu. The bread of victory is on the menu. The same faith you exercise and turn loose for salvation. You can turn it loose for all these other things. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Almighty will abide under the shadow of of, of God. I will say of the Lord. There it goes again. It's important to know what to say. You can't just say whatever you want about God and expect God to pull through for you. Because I read it before, Numbers 14, 28. As you have spoken in the hearing of my ears, so will I do to you. God will only do to you what you say. God will only bring about to to will only bring to pass the things which you have faith to believe, receive, and declare out of your mouth. That's what God will do. How many of you know if God wants it done, it'll get done? No, it won't. Because there were other people pressing on Jesus the day the woman with the issue of blood got healed, but she was the only one that had faith to say it. How many of you know we can die at any time? Really? I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He will cover me with his, fe- his feathers. Under his wings, I will take refuge. His word is my shield and my buckler. The I will not be afraid of the terror by night. That's a confession to make. I will not be afraid. Fear is not a feeling. Fear is a spirit. And you scatter that spirit and you, you, you break free from the grip of that spirit by declaring I refuse to be afraid. I'll not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the hour that flies by day nor of the pestilence that stalks in darkness. A thousand can die on my right hand ten thousand at my right hand but it shall not come near me. Hallelujah! But you have to be careful, there might be a second wave of this stuff. It shall not come near me. Why? Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you've made the Lord your refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. Verse 10 No evil shall befall you. Not some evil, you know, we'll have good days and bad. Amen. Not amen. Goodness and mercy. Favor and blessing. That's four things right there. Healing, strength, power, riches, honor, shall follow me all the days of my life. My cup runs over with God's blessing. How many of you know we win some and we lose some? Amen. Not for, maybe for you, because you can have what you say. But I don't win some and lose some. I've been born into the family of overcomers. And greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world. I'm destined to win. He'll give his angels charge over you. To guard you in all your ways. In their hands they'll bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Lest you even dash your foot against a stone. Forget premature death. God said he's got angels around you. So that even the toe, your pinky toe, doesn't get stubbed. That's why I haven't even, I don't even remember the last time I stubbed my toe. I take that literally. I take that very literally. I won't even dash my foot against a stone. I won't even, I don't remember the last time I tripped. I don't trip. I don't trip up. I've kept the Lord always on my right hand because he is by my side. I shall never be moved. I'm like Mount Zion. I shall never be shaken. The righteous shall never be shaken. They will not fear evil tidings. The Bible says very clearly. Everywhere on which the full foot of my soul treads on, the sole of my foot treads on, will be land that I have. Not land that I trip up on. Not land that, you know, we go through dry seasons. I don't go through dry seasons. I go from glory to glory. From victory to victory. And from faith to faith. Dash your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high. If you think loving God comes at only, there's how many of you know, when you gave your life to Jesus, things might have been going well, but after you gave your life to God, you know, the devil's going to get mad and things won't go as well for you. And, you know, man, before I came to Christ, I had a thriving business. Now nobody wants to be around with nobody wants to be around you not because of the anointing but it's because you're annoying has nothing to do with the anointing the look at jesus the anointed one he couldn't even sit in a house without it being packed to the full couldn't even get time to breathe bible says his own disciples didn't have time to eat or to drink they were bombarded with people people don't want to be around you because you're annoying not because you're anointed How many of you know, you know, loving God initially comes with a cost because you said, he said, you have to pick up your cross, deny yourself, crucify the old flesh, the old self, your old ways, your old agenda, your old schedule, whatever you had dreams and visions and goals and pick on God's dream, vision and goal for your life. It comes with a cost. You lose friends up front because they don't, they think you're crazy or whatever. But the reward is far greater than the cost of serving God. He who sows in righteousness, God said, shall reap a reward. Hallelujah! Evil pursues sinners, but to the righteous, good shall be repaid. The Bible says, he that attempts to cause an upright man to fall astray, that man will fall into the pit, but the righteous shall inherit good. Because he has set his love upon me. Remember what the Bible says, God works all things for good to who? To those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Angels stay on the broadcast. I'll pray for you at the end. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Verse 16. How many of you know we can die at any time? Is that what the Bible says? Or does the Bible say the complete opposite? With long life, I will satisfy him. You know what long life means in the original uh, language? I actually did a little study on this. It means long life. That's why they translated it that way. Long life means long life in Hebrew. means long life in Aramaic. means long life in Greek means long life in coin Greek long life means long life and then I'll show him my salvation see even God well how many of you know the healings and the long life's in the next life the eternal life that that's not if that were the case he would have just said with long life I'll satisfy him when he dies but it says and then when he passes I'll show him my salvation so that's talking about heaven but on this earth Genesis 13. Genesis 15, sorry. Listen to this. And remember, we are... The Bible says that we are, um, we are blessed with believing Abraham. The blessing of Abraham has come upon us. Galatians 3.14. Listen to this. Genesis 15. This is what God's blessing was over Abraham. As for you, Abraham, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You'll be buried at a good old age. You will go to your fathers in peace and you'll be buried at a good old age. Genesis 24, and uh, verse 30, verse, 20, verse 1. Now Abraham was old and well advanced in age, and God had blessed him in every way. Hallelujah. Verse 35. The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become great, and he's given him flocks, herds, silver, gold, male, female servants, camels, and donkeys. What God promised Abraham in Christ Jesus, I've now required for myself. As I do the works of Abraham, I'm now going to be a partaker of the blessing that God put on Abraham. And what was Abraham's works? Abraham, Romans 4. Romans chapter 4. Abraham, the Bible says, in hope against hope, Abraham believed. So that he became the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And he was never weak in faith, meaning he didn't waver in his confession. That's why I opened up this broadcast by telling you, the first thing God had to do for Abraham was change his name. Because if he went around telling people, I'm still Abram, I'm exalted father... When God had said, you're not going to be a father of Ishmael. You're going to be a father of a multitude of nations. So he changed his name and said, you shall now call yourself Abraham. So now, every time he introduced himself, hey, what's your name? Uh, my name is Carl. What's your name? I'm Abraham. Father. So what did he have to say? I'm father of many nations. What's your name? Father of many nations. My name is father of many nations. But you don't even have a boy yet. Yes, but my name is father of many nations because of what God has promised. I believe it in the presence of Him who, whom the Bible says, um, gives life to the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Not being weak in faith, he didn't consider his own body. Uh, I know what I'm supposed to say, but I just feel facts don't care about your feelings, and the Bible facts are against the way you feel. You don't side with your feeling; you side with the facts. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. You can die at any time. Not me. The Bible says the fear of the Lord prolongeth days, and the years of their life shall be many. The Bible says the child, shall, the child in Christ shall be a 100 years old, and the sinner being a 100 will be accursed. That's Isaiah 65. Next, I'm a failure. I am a failure. I, I feel defeated. I'm done for. I really got it this time. You should stop confessing that. I'm a failure. I'm a loser. You, some of you might be laughing, but people actually talk like that about themselves. Instead, I triumph everywhere I go. I have the victory everywhere I go. Why? Bible says in 2 Corinthians two six now thanks be unto God who always leads us to triumph in all things through Jesus Christ always leads us to triumph not win some lose some always leads us to triumph in all things the Bible says thanks be unto God for the victory thanks be unto God for the victory actually if you read 2 Corinthians 2 After he says we triumph in all things through Christ Jesus, it goes on to say, and through us diffuses the the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. So, as you diffuse the aroma of the knowledge of God, what does that mean? You speak the words of God, you speak the knowledge of God in every place that you go, you're diffusing victory into that environment. I'm not a failure. I am victorious. Whatever is born of God has overcome the world. And this is the victory, even our faith. Can you say amen? I'm not a failure. Everything that rises up against me will will be defeated before my face. The enemy will rise up one way, but will be scattered seven ways. The Bible says they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. And whosoever assembleth against you shall fall for your sake. I don't lose any battle. I don't lose any battle. I win every battle of life. Not by might, not by strength, but by His Spirit. Joshua 1. Only be strong and be very courageous. And the Lord your God will fight your battles and be with you everywhere you go. Only be strong and courageous. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. Number five, I am poor. I'm in need. I always lack. I'm just a broke college student. I'm just a broke. I'm broke. I got no more money. You should never let that. The moment you said that, poverty went to work to hold back any finances God would bring your way. The moment you confess that, you can't take giving actions, speak against the seed you sow, and arrive at prosperity or arrive in a realm of no lack. Your actions and your thoughts and your words have to line up to bring the victory in the area of finances paul said in philippians 4 not that i was ever in need paul never confessed need even when he was on malta when he was a a prisoner shipwrecked he didn't confess need in fact by the time he left the island they had showered him with high blessings That's why Paul said, I know how to abound and I know how to be debased. Meaning, I know how to operate in times of scarcity and I know how to operate in times of financial prosperity. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then he says, I am full, I abound, and my God has supplied and shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. Never confess lack, never confess want. Never confess need. Instead, if you do have a need, if you do, you just lift up your hands and thank God that he's Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord who provides. That the Bible says he opens his hand wide and satisfies the desire of every living thing and no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. And I'm here to tell you, Today, by the authority of the word of God, your hands will never be dry another day in your life. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. There was a man in the Old Testament. Israel had been besieged by the Syrian armies. And so they were in a famine where like people started to resort to eating people. And as a result, uh, Elisha gives out the word of the Lord saying by this time tomorrow, a, bar, uh, uh, a sale of barley, a sale of flour, will be, so, will be sold for two shekels, which was re- like really cheap. Because prior to that, they were it was like to buy. I think they were selling things for six dove turds. That's how like scarce money was in that economy. That's how disastrous the recession was in Israel in that day. But Elisha comes forth with the word of the Lord and says, "By this time tomorrow, everything will." It was like it's like as if I said this. Uh, by this time tomorrow gas will be sold for 26 cents a gallon. You'd you'd laugh in my face. So Elisha was saying that the economic analyst of the day rose up. 2nd Kings 7 Even if the Lord would open up the windows of heaven can such a thing be? Elisha said you will surely see it with your eyes but you'll not eat any of it. So the next day When God had made a way for the famine to be broken, uh, the the Bible says that there was the sound of armies coming and that the Syrian armies heard the sound of armies coming and they thought that Israel had hired the Egyptians or whatever. But really it was the angels of the Lord making a sound to put them to flight. They had chased away all their adversaries, the opposition, the Syrians had vacated the area. And so when word had come, they sent out scouts. They truly were, you know, the economy went back to normal. And so... Uh, people were hungry, right? So they were dispersing, they were distributing all the flour, everything, all the food was being distributed, and the king appointed the economic analyst to be the one in charge of distribution. Very dangerous job. Very dangerous job. If someone asked me to be the guy that hands out food after like a severe famine, I'm not taking that job. Because they, if hungry people will do anything to get the food, The Bible says, when he had opened up the gate, the people trampled him and he died. And so fulfilled. 2 Kings 7, angel. And so fulfilled the word of the Lord that you will surely see it with your eyes, but you will not feed off of it. If you you confess lack, you confess poverty, you speak it out of your mouth and never have enough, I'm, I'm just a broke student. I'm just a broke this. I'm always failing. Prosper, uh, you know, my, 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 my bank account never seems to be full. When you speak that, poverty will go to work in your life and see to it that it puts a block, clogs up the windows of heaven over your life. When <laughs> Instead, what should you confess? I will never lack. I am rich. I am, I, I abound. I have everything I need and more. The Bible says the God of all grace will give you everything you need and an abundance for every good work. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. The Bible says in Deuteronomy eight eighteen, I am the Lord your God who gives you power to create wealth so he can establish his covenant with you. Abraham, I will bless you and make you a blessing and you will be great. That's Genesis 12. Genesis 13 2. And Abraham was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. So it took him one chapter, and you belong to the seed of Abraham. So you're entitled to that same blessing. That is, you do the work of Abraham. What was the work of Abraham? Abraham offered up Isaac, his most precious seed on the altar. And God said, since you did not withhold that seed, that only your only begotten son, therefore in blessing I'll bless you. And I've sworn by myself that in multiplying, I will multiply you. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. When you sow seed financially into the work of God, it's the law of seed time and harvest. You can't get around it. He that sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He that sows bountifully shall reap a bountiful harvest. And you'll reap what what Abraham reaped. Number six, I'm confused. I'm stupid. I never know what to do. You should never let that out of your mouth. Because the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians 2, you have the mind of Christ. Therefore, if you say I'm stupid, you're calling Jesus stupid because you have the mind of Christ. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 42, Jesus rebuking the people said, uh, rebuking the Pharisees. He said, the, the, uh, the queen of Sheba will rise with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And yet one greater than Solomon is here. Jesus referring to himself. So greater wisdom... Even as great as the capacity of wisdom that Solomon had, as grandiose as his wisdom was, Jesus said, one greater than than Solomon is here. Greater wisdom than Solomon could have ever wished to exert from his life. Jesus said, that's me. Christ is the wisdom of God and the power of God. And Christ lives in me. I am not stupid. I know what to do in every situation because it's not my mind. It's the mind of Christ working through me. I'm not confused. I'm not frustrated in confusion or in stagnation. In every situation, I have a solution. As wise as Joseph was, that the Bible says, even Pharaoh said, Can we find such a man as this in whom is the wisdom of God? Joseph didn't have the spirit within. Joseph had a gift of wisdom or a gift of understanding. But we actually have Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the one who unravels the mysteries of the universe, lives in me. So I'm never at wit's end. If everybody else is scratching their heads, I'm the one to provide a solution. I bring answers to the table. Jesus at 12 years old, the people were astonished at his manner of understanding and answers at 12 years old. If 12-year-old Jesus can do that, how much more do you suppose resurrected, glorified Jesus living in you and me can supply wisdom for practical things? And what that wisdom does, the Bible says, by me, kings are enthroned. And rulers decree justice. That wisdom will enthrone you in every area of life. That's right, Morris. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I have the mind of Christ. I want you to write that out. I have the mind of Christ. I'm not stupid. I'm not dumb. You might have had a hard time learning before you got saved. But when you got saved, the old mind, you had a mind transplant. The old mind was taken away and a new mind was in was was brought into your into your being so now my thoughts that i think i think after the order of christ himself and remember jesus when he told philip where where will these people eat in the wilderness 5000 men and he asked philip where will these find bread to eat this he said testing philip for he himself knew what he would do Jesus himself, he didn't ask that because he didn't know. He asked that just to test Philip. For he himself knew what he would do. There was never a time. I mean, you talk about. (laughs) You talk about supernatural wit. Anytime the Pharisees and the religious devils came out to try and corner Jesus. Jesus always had an answer for them. That cornered them. And the Bible says they were put to shame at this word. And from this point onward, they never asked him another thing. Or they never confronted him on any other issues. They only sought to kill him. And the Bible says, the anointing, Psalm uh, 89. I have found my servant David. With my holy anointing oil, I have anointed him. Whose right hand I have upheld. And what the anointing does, listen to this. The enemy shall never outwit him, nor the son of wickedness destroy him. The enemy shall never outwit him. The devil's too dumb to outwit me because I have the mind of Christ. I'm always a step forward. I'm a step above. I'm a st- I'm ten steps beyond what the devil's trying to do. That's why he can never get any. That's why in Jesus' day he can never get anything done because the devil. Uh, Jesus was ten steps ahead. Can you say Amen? Number seven, and I'm going to finish with this. I am. People always say I'm cursed. I have bad luck. Nothing seems to go my way. I carry a generation generational curse. I really feel like this. There's a curse on my life. When you came to Christ, let me let me read this. This will blow your socks off. If you haven't shared the broadcast, uh, you could share it, and we're going to finish up right now. Numbers twenty three. Listen to this. Thanks for sticking on today, Lisa, Marilyn, Lily, uh, Carlos. Numbers 23. Listen to this. Verse 7. So Balaam is hired by Balak, a king, a foreign king, to curse the people of God. So Balaam agrees and he goes to open his mouth to curse but this is instead this is what comes out balak the king of moab has brought me from aram from the mountains of the east come curse jacob for me and come denounce israel but how can i curse whom god has not cursed it's impossible how shall i denounce whom the lord has not denounced skip numbers 2319 God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Hath he not said, and will he not do? Hath he not spoken, will he not make good on it? Behold, I have received command to bless. I have blessed, and I cannot reverse it. God has not observed sin in Jacob. So if you're holy, if you've not put your hand to sin, if you've kept back from iniquity, God has not seen wickedness in Israel. Therefore the Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. God brings them out of Egypt. He strengthens them like a wild ox. For there, verse 30, 23, numbers twenty-three twenty-three. Get this in your spirit. This will change your life. There is no sorcery or enchantment against Jacob, nor any divination against Israel. It shall now be said of Jacob and of of Israel, Oh, what God has said. So Balak said to Balaam, Neither curse them at all, nor bless them. Balaam said, Didn't I tell you all that the Lord speaks I must do? What have you done to me? I took you to curse them, but you've blessed them bountifully these three times. I cannot curse whom God has blessed. And God has declared you blessed. The Bible says Christ has redeemed us from the curse that the blessing of Abraham should come upon you. Acts chapter 3. God has sent us first to you to bless you in turning your way turning you all away from your iniquity. The Bible says, "How blessed is the righteous" How blessed is the man who greatly fears in God in keeping his commandments his descendants shall be blessed on the earth the generation of the upright shall be blessed. I am blessed and whom God has blessed Nobody can reverse it. I carry I Might have had a generational curse before I came to Christ, but now I carry a generational blessing I carry a blessing. Everything I touch is blessed. Blessed am I in the city. Blessed am I in the country. Blessed am I in my rising. Blessed am I when I go to bed at night. Blessed shall I be in my going in. And blessed shall I be in my coming out. Everything I do. Everything I touch. Everything I put my hand to. Is blessed. God has commanded his blessing on me. And the Bible says. Whom the Lord has blessed. It's an irreversible blessing. The Bible says the curse without cause shall not light up. And there's no cause for me to be cursed. Because I dwell in the shelter of God. I abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are blessed. Your children are blessed. Your wallet is blessed. Your health is blessed, your strength is blessed, your body is blessed. Bible says in Deuteronomy 28 all throughout through verse 14, you're, you're, the fruit of your womb shall be blessed. you're believing God for a child, I declare your womb blessed and it shall produce it shall produce according to the the, the, the way it was made to produce in creation its original function shall be restored in the name of Jesus. Your your bread is blessed. Your water is blessed. Everything you... I mean, you read Deuteronomy 28. Let's read it. All these blessings shall come on you and overtake you. If you read the actual uh, Hebrew, there's a picture there that the author, that Moses was trying to paint. It's actually the, the image of a lion chasing you down and overtaking you. That the the blessing of God is like a lion from heaven. That even if I try to hide, it chases me down and, and overtakes me. That's kind of what Psalm one thirty nine says. When David said, "Even if I make my bed in the midst of the sea, even if I try and go, eh, no matter where I am at, behold, even there your hand uplifts me, and your right hand holds me up." Bless shall you be in the city. Bless shall you be in the country. Bless shall you be when you come in. Bless shall you be when you go out. The Lord will command His blessing on your storehouse and all of which you set your hand to do. He'll bless you in the land which your, the Lord your God has given you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to Himself, just as He swore you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in His ways. Then all the peoples of the earth will see that you're a people called by God. That means the blessing of God is not something in the heavens only. No, the blessing of God is tangible. The blessing of God is something you can see. It's evident. It's visual. It's not just, you know, life throwing you lemons and you living defeated and you living like a, like a defeated foe, but ultimately you still feel blessed in your heart. No, that blessing overflows into every area of my life, like my life. Like Obed Edom, when the blessing of God came on his house, the word, the word went around all of Israel and even to the king's ears where he was told, look, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed Edom on account of the, the Ark of the Tabernacle. Hallelujah. Everyone will see from today onward. Those that have said there's no help for you in God. Even family members that have mocked you and said, Aha, aha. When will he give up and quit? They will from today see the hand of God go to work for good in your life. And what was Deteriorating begins to flourish By the blessing of God Which maketh a man rich And adds no sorrow to it I'm not cursed I carry blessing You know what that means? I'm not just blessed I carry blessing That means that You know People always say When someone gives something to them Hey praise God I got blessed today Someone Someone's, I'm not blessed because someone, you know, gives me something or, you know, someone does something nice to me or I, I, you know, oh, I got the first parking spot in the whole parking lot and the whole thing was full except this one parking lot closest, this parking spot closest to the door. I must be blessed. I'm not blessed because those things happen. I'm blessed. And as a result of that blessing, those things happen because I'm blessed. Things work for me because I'm blessed. God's favor works for me. Because I'm blessed, what, what uh deteriorates for others flourishes for me. Because I'm blessed, what others struggle with, I thrive in. Because I'm blessed, I carry a blessing. And because I carry a blessing, I'm also a distributor of God's blessing. Because remember, God told Abraham, I'll bless you and make you a blessing and you'll be a blessing to many so you're a distrib- now that you've been blessed you're a distribution center of God's blessing that you can impart that blessing to others by the words you speak by the things you sow and and, and through other ways through other ways i want you if you're t- watching you've never given your life to jesus you can't walk in that blessing until you get right with God. So I want you, from the bottom of your heart, say these words. Get right with God. This, you know, it's not an option. You, need, The times are short. Time is running out. If there was ever a time to connect, to guarantee heaven is your eternal destination, to connect with God, to be like the prodigal son and reason within yourself and say, I will go back. I will go back to my father's house and I'll say, I've sinned against you and against heaven. When you do that, God won't make you like a slave. God's not going to put you back in his simsim, and you'll have you're going to have to work your way back up. God said to that prodigal son that returned back to him, "Put on him the golden the golden ring, give him the fatted calf. Let's make a feast for my son who was dead is now alive." You want to walk in that blessing? You want to you want your sins forgiven? You want entrance into heaven and not only that, heaven here on earth? Because the Bible says in Deuteronomy eleven, part of that blessing. Is that God makes your life on earth as days of heaven on earth. You don't have to live in hell on earth. You can live in heaven on earth. That's why Jesus said, pray that my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So pray this with me. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I believe in my heart. God raised you from the dead, Jesus. I confess with my mouth. That you are Lord. Come live in my life, in my heart, where I was weak. Make me strong. Turn my life around. Fill me with your spirit. And I'll never be the same. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to walk in holiness from this day onward. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to go on our website, salvationnow.ca, and the first link that pops up is I just got saved. Fill it out. And uh, fill it out. And uh, and I want to get something to you. I want to get a gift to you free of charge as a way of saying f- welcome to the family of God and uh, plug into a Bible-believing church tomorrow uh, this weekend, Sunday morning. Find a church that's open and go to it. Plug in. Yes, angel, I'll pray. And I'm going to pray for everyone else too watching. But angel, since you stayed on, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray every situation that the enemy has said is irreversible, Every situation, addiction, sin, that's been an impossibility to break free from, from today in the name of Jesus Christ. Those chains of affliction and addiction break off your life forever. In Jesus' name, you are free. You are no longer bound. The prison doors are open. And God's Spirit empowers you. For release into the glorious freedom of the sons of God. In Jesus mighty name. Be free. I, The power of the devil over your life gets shattered today. Satan I command you to loose and let go. And victory comes your way. In Jesus mighty name. For everyone else watching right now. Father I pray that grace would be given to each one watching. That just like you don't alter the words of your mouth and your covenant you don't break, that from today onward, they would carry your covenant in their mouth, that they would carry your words on their lips. For you did say that a man is snared by the words of his mouth and taken by the transgression of his lips. You did say that he who opens wide his mouth shall have destruction when he speaks the wrong way. That the soul of the unfaithful feeds on the violence of the wicked, but you said, "He who guards his mouth and soul, he who guards his mouth and, tr- and tongue, will guard his soul from trouble." I pray in the name of Jesus that a gate would be stationed in their, in front of their mouth by your grace. That from today, the next time they feel tempted to side in with negative report, with evil reports of unbelief, instead a spirit of faith would come on them. Now that like Joshua and Caleb in the midst of a land filled and infested with giants of impossible odds they'll begin to say if god is on our side we are well able to overcome and possess the land that like number just like Joshua 14 hallelujah at the end of at 85 years old Caleb with that spirit of faith. When most people at 85 were confessing weakness. Taking five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 pills a day. Caleb was still declaring. I'm as strong today. As I was when I was 40. Father that they would hold fast the confession of your word. Without wavering. That they would give the most earnest heed to your word. And not neglect so great the word of salvation. Which has promise to those who abide by it, in Jesus' mighty name. I pray miracles. I pray let there be an a, an outbreak of miracles into the lives of those watching right now. I command every sick body to be healed. I command every pain in your body to leave and go. I command weak knees, weak feet, pains in the legs. I almost feel like there's someone watching right now that has uh, pains in your leg that they call restless leg syndrome. You have a hard time staying still. You have a hard time sleeping at night because it's like your your legs just act up. Well, in the name of Jesus Christ, the same God that gave me the word of knowledge for that is the same God that releases Uh, The gifts of healing your way, the oil of healing, the balm of Gilead. To not just alleviate, but relieve you forever from that burden. In Jesus' name, be healed in your body. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. I want you to say this wherever you're at. As a powerful Bible-based confession. Goodness, mercy, favor, good things shall follow me every day of my life. I don't expect defeat. I expect victory. I don't look for problems. I'm looking for solutions. I am not a victim, I am a victor. I am not going down, my path shines brighter and brighter every day of my life. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji or visit us online www.salvationnow.ca God bless you and until next time.